0: Salutations planetary pilgrims, what better way to bring in the new year than to get reacquainted with Alan Watt whose schedule has been incredibly harrowing so we will try to make the best use of the hour that we have with him and get completely into our dialogue Alan, welcome back to Godbox Cafe and thank you for dedicating this time to our listeners
1: It's a pleasure to be here
0: What I would like to start off with before we get into the machinations of the current agendas uh, on a global scale, I would love to ask you, if you weren't serving as the messenger to the masses by way of your conscience talking to you, what would you be doing right now?
1: It's difficult to say because that's a paradox in itself. Truly. (laughs) The paradox being that the things you'd like to do would be for a normal world but you understand it's not a normal world and so could you really go back and do something live well and prosper as they say doing what you want to do and probably enjoy yourself at the same time or, or could you really enjoy yourself knowing that you're just going through a sham understanding that you're turning a blind eye to the fears in the world which affect everyone so there's a paradox involved It'd be nice in a real world to go and do those things which we, we like to do. But unfortunately, we have this thing called consciousness and memory, which brings us back to this reality. And when you understand it, you, you almost have to put everything else aside. Uh, nothing can come close to it because you have a drive. Some would say it's a duty, but it's a drive to try and thwart this agenda, which is so overwhelming and so monstrous in its construction and implementation and its goals uh, that you can't really go back to the to the mountain top and and just close your eyes
0: Indeed, and through the course of this conversation, I will interject with a number of different validations just to confirm where my own personal experience here living in Toronto is concerned. All that you're saying, some people might claim is preposterous or exaggerated or paranoid. There's ample proof. But before we go down to the nitty gritty, I also wanted to ask you from a discernment standpoint, the beauty of the technology that you and I are using to try to separate the wheat from the chaff, for want of a better expression, is also a means whereby people are being programmed and being fed propaganda in quite insidious and extremely effective ways. How would you best advise those people who are in the position where they are waking up? I'm almost tempted to say that those that aren't awake may never get to that level, but I'm trying to at least give attention to those who are in the process of questioning. How would you advise them? What would certain tricks be to try to discern from what constitutes full out bunk and what actually does have a grain of truth as far as information that is being pumped out there? How could people determine what the difference is? Uh,
1: Well, you'll find that the technology we're using, remember, was used by the military-industrial complex long before the public even heard of computers or the Internet. And so when they gave it to the public, it was for a war purpose. The war being on the war. It's a war against the people. It's on the people of the whole planet to guide them along a certain path. And you'll find Brzezinski talked about this back in the early 70s in his book Between Two Ages. he He said shortly a technology will be given to the public which will revolutionize the world. Uh, the public will think it's for their benefit, but in reality it will be to make them more manageable, to bring in a global society, a planned global society at that, not a random one. And so they always use propaganda, as Aldo Huxley and others have said, to bring little bits of the truth. You must always have truth in anything you want the public to swallow, something they can relate to and understand simply. And then you attach the agenda to it in such a way that it will seem to blend or mesh with the truth because most people don't think through big problems they really don't uh, it is well understood at high levels in sociology and psychology they take a professional's opinions because we have an innate failure I'd call it not, not an ability but a failure to want to worship people who we think somehow Are superior to ourselves and they created a world run by experts we've been trained that someone who's called an expert is superior and they download us with an opinion and we we generally accept their opinion without question so when you get truth mixed with the agenda which is a global agenda concerning massive change not just in society as a structure but society right down to her very genetic level, then you have to be very, very wary when you understand what the agenda is. The brave new world scenario is the remaking of everything uh, that was left imperfect, as they say at the top. And that means all of us, we're all imperfect, according to those who, who rule over us. And the world they want to bring in is a world where from cradle to grave you will be trained for a function which serves the world state. There'll be no choices in anything, ultimately. But also, they want to alter not only our bodies, they want ideal design, ID, that's what it stands for, too. ideal design uh, slaves that will be incapable of thinking as individuals because individuality has always been the problem uh, from the least point of view amongst the masses, the occasional individual that comes up with a an idea that catches on like fire. And uh, up until now, we've had a generation, really one generation only, uh, who've been given a glut of easy credit credit cards, easy loans and so on, to spoil themselves while this agenda has rampaged ahead. And they've been taught to be almost optimistic that money will, will continue to flow forever. And there's all these cheap goods flowing in from China. And that's the the placebo, but the world they want to bring in is a world where, because you will not be an individual, you will will have no higher thinking on an individual basis. It will be impossible for you to even try and think about being an individual separate from the others. And when that happens, it's more like Huxley's Brave New World scenario in in his novel, which he then backed up with the non-fiction version of Brave New World Revisited, That's the system they want to bring in. We won't need entertainment. We won't need to be allowed to spoil ourselves and reward ourselves every month buying some cheap plastic from China. We'll be quite content being a member of the hive, almost programmed like an insect or a bee. And that's the utopia that the elites see coming in. They've already gone so far, and you've probably been keeping up on all this, with the, this virtual world scenario they're going Oh,
0: into. Second Life, yes, definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's horrifying. It's horrifying.
1: Yeah, and Even Facebook,
0: idea. I refused to register with Facebook. So many people invited me to join that, and I said, do you have any idea what an invasion of privacy this is? Yes. And, and they're pl- oblivious to it.
1: They're oblivious, and, and you see, I, I knew a long, long time ago that the bulk of the population was probably doomed anyway because they always go along for the popular movement. They don't think critically. And that's probably always been the way of it. And they're social uh, animals or creatures, and this is what they're saying now. I just got an email today from one of the top people, and he said said, um, people are social creatures. Therefore, the bulk of them will will go in en masse into this new reality because all their friends will go. That's how they they do it. They follow their friends like sheep.
0: Lemmings. They just jump right off a cliff.
1: And I have some audios you can go into my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, where I've gone into the fact that the Pentagon and the MI6 in Britain and various other military establishments have duplicates of us, every one of us, our personality profiles, everything, all our data, and they've created a virtual you already. They already have this set up, and I give all the documentation from the sources themselves and this is what it, what it is they're creating a, an actual matrix like the movie with you in there and I'm sure initially they'll because they're already coupling the, the human interfaces uh, a system it's already done it's all ready to go and I'm sure the way they promise you you'll have for instance look a top superstar in some big movie male and female and they'll have an incredible sex scene in it. This, is, this will definitely come. And they'll record the engrams. And I've also read the documentation from the companies that are making this equipment. They're using EMI imaging techniques in a form of EEC, as electroencephalographic machines. Yes. And they actually stimulate parts of your brain. And coupled with the electromagnetic imaging device, they already have two games out like this, by the way.
0: This is deeply disturbing. This is shades of clockwork orange.
1: It is. And then you will actually think you're in the movie being that man or that woman. And that will be the big pull to get them into it because sex is one of the strongest drives there is. Everyone's obsessed with it because of the culture that has been created by the same people. And one day, you know, you're all thinking in and out of it, but one day you go into it and you go to sleep and you won't know which one you're in. You'll think you're in your real life. Meanwhile, they've already said because most people don't use more than 10% or so of their brain capacity, they could use the other, uh, the rest of it, to, to program you, and you could be a robot during the day and never know what you're doing.
0: Well, many people are. I've seen bank tellers with glazed expressions over their faces because they can't even add anymore. If the if the computer's down, they don't know well enough to be able to add two check totals together to give you the the sum.
1: Yes. So this is all here, and, uh, you know, again, it's, it's not like it's a, a conspiracy as such. A long, long time ago, H.G. Wells wrote a book, and, or there's a chapter called The Open Conspiracy. And he said, for the one who wants to inquire, he says, all our plans are out in the open. As they've all been published. It's just that no one wants to read these particular types of books because they're, they're boring, dry books. There's no plot and no sex and violence and so on uh, but they elite themselves and every generation have read these particular books and um I mean, and Aldo Huxley made this statement he says, and it seems to me perfectly in the cards that there will be within the next generation or so, a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire societies so that people will, in fact, have their liberties taken away from them, but will rather enjoy it because it will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda, brainwashing, or brainwashing enhanced by pharmacological methods. So, you know, that's only one quote from one of the players who helped uh, work with Tavistock on this mass psychological uh, programming that's already been so effective with most people.
0: Because they're willingly walking into it. They don't actually see the threat, and if you present the negative aspect to it, they simply will turn a blind eye and end up being uh, antagonistic towards the messenger. Who, yes, they will. Who's, who's, which is even more puzzling to me than, well, I'm in Toronto now, so the camera installations are taking place as we speak, which to the tune of something like, if I'm not mistaken, 10,000 cameras are going to be set up throughout the entire city which will be watching everybody's move, of course, on the premise that this is for our own security and that we're lagging behind because so many other urban environments already have this implemented. So let's get with the program, so to speak, which is all the more reason that I have every intention of vacating as soon as we can possibly make the arrangements to do so. Then you have the taser incident where you had this poor Polish man waiting in an airport, kept waiting for 10 hours, unable to speak English, and the police Now, obviously, that's been on video, so that's circulated, and and the, the level of cruelty and almost sadistic pleasure in zapping this man a multitude of times when once is enough to subdue anyone. It was absolutely horrifying, and this is so pervasive. I have to tell you, I have to share with you, there was an article in McLean's magazine in October that absolutely had me floored, and it was an, a small blurb at the bottom of the page that was advertising a company that created little stuffed toys in the shape of bacteria that syphilis was one. So they're creating plush toys that represent...
1: Spirochete
0: represent bacteria that could that have caused epidemics plagues and have killed a multitude of people in the past and they're actually selling these as toys on the market for children Yep. So, <laughs> yep. what more needs to be said than that if they're selling that in order to, to turn syphilis into something warm and fuzzy that you can cuddle up next to in bed while singing lullabies to your child I can't see how that would be anything less than psychotic.
1: It is psychotic and yet that's the we've been living through this for a long time this debasement of society and natural morality. And they've always said to to bring in a new world or a different society you must destroy completely all that was old and, and at the high societies that use the, the Masonic building terms and that they'll tell you that to build a new cathedral as you're building it you're also taking down the structure of the old one and so in other words to create to make way for that which is new you must destroy that which was and that's what they do they destroy everything all that the building blocks that gave you kindness and decency and all those values that held the old kind of society together and it made it function to bring in a new totalitarian society where you simply do as you're told. You must destroy all those things to do with a natural bonding and emotion and bring in the grotesque and, and the macabre. And that's exactly what they're doing.
0: Is there any way, do you think it's possible, there is talk bandied about where this whole notion of a critical mass where if those of us who are awake could possibly in some way assemble, either by virtue of the Internet or whatever means that we have at our disposal, to try to at least collaborate in in a united effort, because as individuals, much like yourself all of this effort that you're putting in it certainly is touching a great many people but it is at a great cost to you as a person as far as the sacrifices you're making and and putting your entire life on hold and i know that you're willing to do that but there's got to be a way that we can collectively assemble in the same way that if these agendas have been done in a way that you certainly can't do that as an individual there has to be some collaboration on the part of the elite to come together and work out a proper plan although they have obviously unlimited resources to bring that about on a global scale. Is there any way we can, is there some possibility of that critical mass being achieved where okay we may not get eighty percent of the population in tune with what we're saying but is there a way at least to get enough people to thwart or at least shut down these plans that Are quite evident if as you say they're overt out in the open and the the disdain is quite blatantly apparent they think that we're such stupid sheep that you don't even have to hide the fact anymore is there some way that there's a number that we can assemble to be able to at least shut that down or put a wrench in the works so to speak
1: it takes very strong people to communicate to other strong people And leave out all the other indoctrinated differences that they have between them, and that's the problem always with activism. Activism is easy to demolish by the elites who will bring in issues which are emotive topics and get them all fighting each other.
0: Exactly. Divide and conquer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and so it it takes uh, the strong individuals to overcome that and not get into the side issues, because this is more than all the other uh, little dear things that we've held on to in the past. This is, for, this is a war for everything. Everything is a prize. It's not bits of the world. It's, the whole, it's everything in the world, on the world, as all of us. And we have to realize that. And we got to confront the ones who are put out in front as front men, front people, men and women. that are supposed to be guiding us. We've got to confront them and demand the answers for the first time. We've got to demand who they are, to know who they are. If they're going to make laws that affect all of us, we better find out who these people are and what associations they belong to, uh, what foundations fund them, uh, where their business interests are. Are they in these particular games that are bringing uh, a false or fake reality uh, into the, the minds of the youth? Have they sworn allegiances to particular global agendas? We have to have all of their lives on the table Uh, out in the open, because we're we're giving them the power to introduce laws that are going to put us all in prison, or even worse, into a, a movie scenario like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We've got to stop giving our power away so easily to these shysters that are put out there. I mean, Professor Carl Quigley, remember, in his book, Tragedy and Hope, and he wasn't just a professor. Uh, at one university, he was also an advisor to top people in state departments and U.S. governments. They brought him in on many occasions to give talks to them. He picked Rhodes Scholars for global government and again we've got to understand what global government is. It's not a nice fuzzy UN blue type scenario handing out chocolates in war-torn countries Uh, These characters are war makers. They they have a war on the world. That's what the United Nations was set up to do. And again, H.G. Wells and others who helped form and put forward the League of Nations uh, made that quite clear, that eventually they would be the rulers. Uh, Not a government that is responsible to the people, but they would rule the world. That was their job in in a scientific fashion. I want to understand that, um, as Carl Quigley said, he said... We always groom and pick and place all party leaders, and we have since, uh, for 60 years, and that was written in the 1960s, he said there is a parallel government, and he talked about the Royal Institute for International Affairs, every commonwealth country, British commonwealth country has its own department of that. We have the Canadian Institute for International Affairs, and Australia's got Australian Institute, for non-Commonwealth countries, they have the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, we've already seen them. So these are a parallel government. This is a parallel government that's unfettered by people's votes. They don't, they're not elected by the public. Uh, they place their members in and out of politics. The ones who are out of politics and do their legwork, and their big movers and shakers are the guys like Maurice Strong, who are called technocrats. They're given real power, and they exercise it. They, they do a lot of heavy playing and get their way. So And Margaret Thatcher backed that up in Massey Hall in Toronto when she gave her speech on the New World Order back in the early 90s. Yep. And she said, we are a parallel government, uh, unresponsive to the people. And so we have this system steamrolling ahead, and they're bringing it in through terror. It's a war of terror on the people of the planet. Uh, That's how they're introducing it. It's nothing to do with the Middle East, as we can well tell and is to to ID on a 24-hour basis every individual on the entire planet, eventually. That's its goal, to know what you're doing every minute of your day. That's what it's all about, because they cannot have a totalitarian system unless they have complete information on every individual 24 hours a day. That's the only way they can manage it.
0: Is that not, though, the height of paranoia? If they're that fearful of us as the populace en masse, then to some extent, in an ob- obverse way, that's almost recognition that we do have power to do something. If they feel oh, yeah. that they have to resort to those lengths in order to subdue us and render us neutral, then collectively we can do something to thwart their efforts.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Again, it's the the occasional individual who understands what's happening and who has the ability and maybe the means to communicate to the public. Uh, That's their problem. The the bulk of the populace have never worried the elite, ever. A veteran Russell wrote about that. He said said in the near future, he said, um, on the rare occasion, the rare occasion when someone came up from the plebeian masses, showing gifts and intellect, uh, we shall recruit them into our society, the higher society. And that's following Plato's model in the book The Republic. Uh, So the guardian class would bring you in if you had qualities, ability, on the condition that you would leave all your old acquaintances and your family behind in their lower class, you see. Uh, But if you would not go along and play ball with them because of the gifts that you had, you might be a potential revolutionary, and they'd have to kill you. That's what he said.
0: Oh, and they've certainly done that. History is ample proof that they would absolutely resort to. Well, case in point, now, what is your opinion of what the future holds where Pakistan is now concerned as a direct result of this assassination yep. a week before the elections?
1: Well, it, it was. No, it's no surprise, I'm sure, to even all those involved. And in Bhutto herself, I mean... They all knew it was coming. They knew that the CIA had riddled agents all through the country. There's a general left a couple of months ago admitting that most of his paychecks came from the CIA.
0: Hmm.
1: And so uh, wherever you look in the world, you, you'll find the CIA is all over those countries. Uh, they've been through Latin America for 50 years stirring up trouble. And uh, it's the same across the planet. So you can bet your bottom dollar whoever comes in and replaces them will be another puppet regime uh, picked by the CIA just like they did in Iraq.
0: I'm just wondering if there is any way that we could set up a parallel system of our own where we've got an alternate educational system see I was quite ready to pull my son out of school if they insisted that the vaccinations for meningitis was mandatory I I simply told him you're staying home today because you're not getting any vaccinations end of story so I I could care less whether he graduated from high school because as far as I'm concerned based on what I've observed over the last 25 years it's utterly useless It, it was designed to create factory workers and that's the mentality that you have to conform and you have to stand in a line and you have to keep your eyes to the ground, keep your mouth shut, and do as you're told. There is that aspect to it, which is the grooming for the slave. So it matters not to me that he really graduate with honors. I'm more concerned about where to take him from that point on and what I can do both as an individual and and through the podcast to try to set up something that could constitute a safe and stable future where our children are concerned.
1: Well, that's maybe possible. I mean, there's no doubt about it. At least homeschooling that uh, is unpopular. Anything popular, I keep telling people, anything that's popular is what they want. So to be an individual, you're going to be unpopular with the populace. That's simply how it works. And even though the values that you're pushing are for survivability, and some might call it old-fashioned values because they're all new and trendy, and, and the public never really question where their values come from. They simply adopt them. But, yes, homeschooling is definitely uh, way ahead of this social indoctrination they're, get, they're getting at school and the groupthink method that they're getting at school where they'll actually, they'll, they're getting taught to shun those who will not consent, go to consensus votes in the classroom on a particular topic. You're not allowed to, to be an individual And even the United States has said that its own charter, that their war is on the individual. If you're an individual, you're a dangerous person. They want the predictable masses and, uh, unfortunately, most conform to that standard to pass on. And even, again, going back to the bigger players that published probably more of the agenda, at a time when they knew that very few people would read their books except those involved in the agenda, we had Russell setting up experimental schools in the early 1920s with a royal charter to do so. So it was a royal command. And it it was he who actually came up with the idea of introducing kindergarten to grab the child young, to indoctrinate them young, in what he called a, a scientific indoctrination, so that when they went home, any input, any moral input from the parents would be dismissed by the child. It would not take on the child. And he said this will ensure that the, these children will not be contaminated by antiquated values and value systems so they've been very successful at this and as i see the public accept everything by almost osmosis from the television which is the greatest tool I've ever devised for propaganda and they don't question they don't question things they look around them and if everyone else is going in a certain direction they follow suit that's how they That's how they judge their own sanity if they're doing what everyone else is doing. And you can guarantee that everyone else will be doing exactly as they're conditioned to do. You have to go on a different path and we have to appeal to the little bits. See, we have a dehumanized culture and you have to appeal uh, to that little part that's still humane inside of people uh, and try and rekindle it and tell them that your own survivability depends on helping others survive. That's how you come through great catastrophes, for instance, or great changes. You cannot do it when you're all isolated, and you'll find through all the different movements that have been formed over the last hundred years, and they were all formed and promoted from the top down. A culture is not allowed to come from the grassroots. It's from the top down, and that means
0: all protest groups as well. Oh sure, they've got people planted in that just to to act as spies and to sabotage it if it yep. builds up any momentum. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've certainly witnessed that firsthand. Yeah,
1: and and therefore you have to to realize that you have to get through to people, as I said, to, to put away all their minor differences or even highly emotive things, topics which they've really been has been fed into them all what they think is the new morality and point out to them, you're giving up the one thing that we all have, and that's the the ability to think for ourselves. Uh, What the world is coming into play is going to be a world where all the thinking is done for you. That's what Arthur Koestler said. And that's now been admitted that Koestler, who wrote all the the novels and uh, non-fiction works too, was employed by MI5 and MI6 to do so. Do you realize that they're now admitting, it's something I've said for years and years, that the greatest novelists and uh, those and even some poets, never mind a lot of the music industry, uh, the whole culture for the last hundred years was directed and promoted. Even what we thought was nihilistic art from people who were rebelling in their own way, those characters were all paid by the British Secret Service that blossomed into the OSS and then MI6 in collaboration with CIA in the US. Even what people thought were left-wing protest groups in the US and were called communists were actually being led and funded by the CIA. That's oh, now I, declassified.
0: I don't doubt that for a second. It makes total sense. But anything that smacks of divisiveness, you okay. can be sure they'd be behind that. It's simple principle. Even they've polarized... The teachers have their hands tied. They can do nothing. They can't discipline the children, which leads to a whole slew of attitude as in, I don't have to answer for my actions. There are no consequences. There is no punishment. So those that have a propensity towards being the delinquents are the ones that are held up as role models because they can get away with murder, literally, as minors and walk away from the whole thing and and then proudly prance around wearing that as a badge. Well, I killed my first guy by the time I was 13. So what kind of value system could you possibly work? I know when I was growing up, you had the parents and the teachers were working hand in hand. So if you did something wrong at school, you can be sure you'd get a double dose of it at home so that you'd be corrected twice. Now, everyone's afraid both at home and at school to say anything when it comes to correcting a child's behavior. So even if you wanted to or or felt compelled to say something, you wouldn't know if you'd have a parent down your throat or if the child turned around and reports you to, to children's aid for mental Uh, abuse. There's all kinds of ludicrous things out there that even the teachers are forced to tell the students as far as curfews and that sort of thing. So the messages are mixed. The kids are confused. They don't have any rudder where there's any consistency or stability for them.
1: No, they don't. And again, this is a great technique because these are sciences which have been well understood for a long, long time. The science being that when you train a population or a generation that there are no rules. Inwardly, when they're young, especially, and every tyrant in history has known this, because there's no rules, the young look for rules. They actually look for them. We see this in the Soviet system where they create the young Communist Party and they'd already separated really psychologically one generation from the next, from the young ones growing up there. And the young ones jumped into the young Communist Party. They got little uniforms and so on. They got their little brigades formed. They did the same in in Britain with the army cadets and all that kind of stuff too. They flourished. Uh, Hitler did the same thing. Uh, He had the the youth movement. He gave them uniforms, took them in countries, uh, marches and camping. Uh, The boys' brigade did the same thing. Young people without rules will actually look for people who can give them rules. That's what they've always known at the top. What you can train them to do is disregard their own parents and you give them a substitute family. That's why uh, the trouble in a lot of the the black areas in the States with the single parents and so on, and no father is around, the young guys look for uh, the male figure, the the group leader, the substitute for a parent, and he gets the gang leader. He's the guy with power, and that's who he emulates. This is well understood. So when people really think, do as you please, there's no rules, you're you're creating a, a world where government then becomes the master. And that's exactly what government's been after for centuries. They've said often in many of their writings, many of their top workers have, have written about this, The the system they want to bring in is where someone in government can talk directly down to little old you on the street, and there'll be no one around, no friend, no family, nothing to stand up or stand around you or stand up for you. And that would be total control over the individual. So by promoting what you think is freedom, and no rules of any kind, and separation comes into play, then there's no one to stand around you as government dictates right to you, just like George Orwell had in 1984, where the television screen, to a screen, called his number out and says, yeah, yeah, you Smith. And and, uh, there was no one around to stand up for him. That's total power over the individual.
0: Truly, and then you have individuals that are encouraged to spy on each other. So as oh. opposed to you're, you're having the neighborhood watch where everyone's keeping an eye out of, on the kids in the neighborhood, now you've got people looking at what everyone else is doing and reporting them. So It's you, so
1: encouraged, and again, a spy society. Where every, and again, that happened in the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union, which was a type of laboratory in many respects, the government itself, or, or the or the KGB, would set up incidents in the street where you might see something, someone doing what you thought was wrong and you didn't really want to get involved and then you'd think, well, maybe, maybe I'm on camera. I better report it in case I'm on camera seeing this. And so you'd go and report it. Now, if you didn't go and report it, they'd come to you and say, why didn't you report this? We knew you passed this incident on this time this day, et cetera, et cetera. So they created a, a sense of fear if you didn't report things to the government until a, a sense of paranoia was created and you re, people were reporting everything anything suspicious anything odd a guy with a day's stubble on his chin was enough to get him arrested and uh, that's how silly and bizarre it gets and that's oh, yes what fostering
0: yeah. again I can speak to that personally as my mother grew up in a communistic regime and she made a joke at work and she was reported it was just it was a joke but because yeah it involved one particular category of people in, in a province there that they make fun of just for being generally slow and lazy. She ended up spending a day in jail for that, and nothing really has changed. So, yes, most assuredly, <coughs> that is the case. And McCarthyism is, because I was in the film business, I, I know people who lived through the McCarthy system where that sort of you paranoia. There is an incredible film. I don't know if you've seen it. It came out last year other people's lives it's a german know. film oh, yeah. and it was based on one particular i i don't know if i'm sure it was a fictional thing but uh... it certainly spoke to the time when the berlin situation was rampant as far as east versus west germany and and the fact that one chap had to spy on a writer to determine whether he was going to put out some propaganda that would overthrow the state It's well worth watching because I think it accurately portrayed that. And I was in Berlin three years ago. And the ramifications of the war are are still, it's palpable in the air. The level of guilt that people carry around with them and the fact that even though the wall is down, it would take at least two generations for the mindset to change. Because the way people were raised in West versus East Germany is it's, So deeply ingrained in the psyche that it takes more than just physically tearing down a wall. I can assure you, having spoken to people there, that they're no better off as a result of that wall coming down. If anything, they're that much more feeling like they have no control over their lives and there's a lot less stability in terms of employment opportunities and work security. All of those things have just, it's created a complete shambles, much as I would assume that the former Soviet Union is now experiencing, where you've got some robber barons who have manipulated the oil trade there and have lined their pockets left right and center and then the rest of the world are left to fend for themselves and young women are prostituting themselves because they have no other recourse
1: yes oh yeah it is a shambles there it's it's awful what's happening and it's true enough the same in all the other soviet bloc countries where all these big marriage agencies have sprung up for abroad And as you say, they're they're almost selling young females off. It is.
0: It's white slave trade. There's nothing... I can't sugarcoat it and call it anything else. That's exactly what it is. They're selling their bodies because they don't see a future doing anything else.
1: Mm -hmm. And this is all understood and and has been brought about. And see, we also live in a world where the system we live in is a psychopathic-led system. And that's a hard thing for people to come to terms with. A system that's based on competitiveness, which is, I mean, when I went through school, everything was compete, compete, compete. We're getting taught to compete so that you go into a workforce and compete as well. And only a few people can get to the top of the pyramid. That means there's an awful lot of bricks underneath you that's not going to make it. And it's a profit system, a profit-motivated system, where success is called having as many zeros behind the number as possible at the end of the month at the expense of others, and those who get up there are almost worshipped by the people below. You know, it's it's a disgusting system. It's not a humane system. Well, it
0: just boggles my mind, the commercialism behind everything, and even Christmas. For us, Christmas is about family gathering and people sharing... The entire year's worth of experience and everyone sitting at a table together and eating a fine meal and enjoying each other's company. That is Christmas or perhaps volunteering to do something for people who are eking out an existence and, and in survival mode and having to go to shelters and to uh, soup kitchens to make sure that they have enough meals on it. The, and they're actually working. It's not that they're homeless. They are earning money, but it's not enough to get by in Toronto.
1: Yeah, that's happening in a lot of cities now. But that's the problem. We're living in a in a system.
0: It's hand to mouth. Uh,
1: yes, and, and the ones who are really psychopathic. Now a psychopath, remember, has no conscience as to how they get to the top, and therefore they're pretty well guaranteed, if they've got a bit of cunning and uh, intellect, to get to the top. And, and so they end up at the top. They did exposes as far back as the seventies when psychiatry turned its sights on the psychopathic nature. Prior to that, they'd always gone into the street-level psychopath, the guy who's street-wise and is, 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 whoever you want, he's got it to sell, he's a good con man, but they never thought of looking above that to to the more intelligent ones, who and the ones who are also born into families with a bit of power. And, and lo and behold, they, they found out that all those at the top had the, the psychopathic traits, the aristocratic families, the, the heirs to big estates. Uh, and big corporations and so on had those particular traits of psychopathy.
0: Certainly with the amount of inbreeding. I mean, is there an actual genome map where you could see the chromosomal aberrations?
1: Well, I'm sure of it. I mean, this has been known long before they, they came up, at least when the, Watsons told us about the double helix and so on. Long before that, I mean, Plato talked about the ability, which they'd already experimented in, in uh, long before his day, in fact, that they could breed characteristics physical and mental in or out of humans uh, in the same way that they could breed animals for specific
0: Yeah, with horses trait. and dogs, yeah.
1: And so you can also breed if you want rulers for instance you want them to have a certain amount of intellect but you also want them to have the ability to be utterly ruthless when yeah. required. And so you can breed out that part of the brain uh, that gives you your normal empathy for others that can be bred out. And so we do have a psychopathic system with inbreds, and studies have been done, uh, even in the the, the ex-Soviet bloc, uh, studies were done by people who were heavily persecuted there for for doing it because they realized that a lot of the leaders they had who got to the top in the Soviet system were identical in personality to the top ones in the United States and Britain Mm. and elsewhere.
0: Same blueprint.
1: Same blueprints and same MO. And same character, very pleasant to your face, always like top salespeople, but utterly ruthless when it came to to their own survival at the expense of others. They have no problem sleeping at nights after destroying people's lives or even starting wars and, and and planning them in advance. They have no problem with guilt whatsoever.
0: So there should be some kind of mandatory DNA testing for anyone who's opting to serve in a public capacity from a leadership standpoint. That should be, first and foremost, what people should be subjected to who want to offer themselves up into a political arena.
1: Yeah, it's what they want to do at the top, it's already been put forward. They want all of us, and they have done it to most of us. They've already got our genome project on the go. They have your DNA somewhere in some blood bank, if you've ever had blood withdrawn. And they're doing it, as a matter of course, with newborn infants. And they want to do mandatory psychological evaluation in this brave new world on an annual basis with every citizen of all ages. And I say we should do the opposite. We should reverse it and and, and make sure that that only those ones who want power over others go through all of these tests and evaluations, etc. And I I also think that every child in school should be taught the the very simple techniques of understanding what a psychopath is so that they can recognize them.
0: I have it on a reliable authority through the states that there are Social Security checks bouncing now. Is this a sign that there is a, an acceleration in an effort to collapse the entire American economic system now?
1: Yes. Uh, the U.S. has to go through a period of chaos. Uh, i even said that years ago. I said that because I pretty well knew the technique and the formula that as the U.S. finishes off its job, bringing in this global system uh, in the the Middle East and elsewhere, uh, they'll be pulling the rug from underneath their feet at home. And the U.S. must be pulled down and merge in to the system that it helped create and promote. And that's what's going to happen. So you're going to see uh, various kinds of crisis. Ultimately, remember, they're going to do away with private employment. Uh, that was on the cards as far back as the 1920s when Russell and others wrote about it. He said eventually the state, he meant the world state, would issue credits to everyone at the beginning of every week. It will appear in your bank account. There will be no private property. That's another thing that people don't realize, that those with the most private property, the big estates, uh, will continue as always because it's not in their name. It's all in big foundations. And that's the way that Plato suggested that they do it. But for the rest of the public, the private property is to be eliminated either through taxation or and they're also using regulations from the UN to do with building codes. Uh, if you're under the building codes, which keep going up and up and up, uh, they will simply fine you and fine you daily until you're off the land. And you'll have to go into the habitat areas where it'll be rental accommodation only, owned by the city, and no private transportation of any kind. Therefore, you're dependent, you're interdependent, this word interdependence, for your existence, your entire existence on the state. That's food, everything, rent, money, and so on. So they'll issue so many credits at the beginning of every week, you'll be unable to save them up. So you spend them all, and it'll be used as a form of social punishment. If you uh, create waves, they'll simply withhold your money and, and make you suffer until you conform. This has all been written about and discussed at the high levels. And I saw this in Britain back in the 70s when the amalgamations were gradually going on. I could see everything amalgamating ready for integration into United Europe with the metric system, the decimalisation of the currency, and all the rest of it. And I saw the, the work being taken away because they had admitted to the public at the time at the end of World War Two, they signed into all the agreements that Britain would be de-industrialized. It's just that they wouldn't tell the public. Uh, all they would be left with was would be international corporations. And so they were persecuting small business owners heavily through the 60s, speeding up in the 70s and 80s, till most of them went under. And then they went to work for uh, all the big uh, international, multi-level uh, international corporations. Everyone I know who had private businesses now works for the corporations that took over and that's to be the new feudalistic system that Quigley talked about uh, where the new CEOs, the feudal overlords will be CEO um, heads of international corporations. They're doing the same thing now in Canada and the States. It takes three quarters of your day to get through all the paperwork you have to do to keep the government happy and to keep adding to all the time if you're self-employed. Uh, so eventually there'll be no self-employment whatsoever and then once that's done they'll bring in the new monetary system uh, the new ID card which is coming out here uh, next this, this in about a week's time or so it's the same one as Britain and they published in the newspapers in Britain uh, that this card has the capacity to become your sole bank card as well uh, so all your data will go through that one card and it's only a simple matter of altering it from what we think of as money at the moment to the next form of money, which is credits issued by the states. But to get us to that stage, they must give us crisis after crisis, so it will appear fairly logical to the public whatever decisions are made at the top to bring this about.
0: Also, these mortgages that are being called in now in the states, all over the place, people are having their homes repossessed. I would guess that that would be part and parcel of that plan. It is.
1: It is. And it began as far back again as the Great Depression when the the people who were homesteaders and so on had their land taken from them, confiscated by the governments and the banks when the money stopped flowing. Quite easy to get the people to be bankrupt when you're so dependent on their money system.
0: Absolutely. And I just recently interviewed an amazing gentleman by the name of Ralph Ring, who was working with a chap named Otis Carr on alternative energies Mm -hmm. and uh, alternate means, non-electrical, which they had demonstrated and and proven possible. Uh, The FBI confiscated everything, and this was in the 50s. Yeah. and said, you are a threat to our monetary system. You have to cease and desist. We are taking all of this, and if you attempt to try to do any of this any further, we will do whatever it takes to stop yes. you. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's called market suppression. The idea in the system, because it's not the the system they project to you to make you believe in where you think everything is, is running the way it's presented to you, and then it's a real system, which is the opposite. It's a totally controlled system and they will not allow people to have um, independent means of survival of any kind outside of their monetary or energy systems. Uh, That's going to be completely taboo. Uh,
0: So do you have anything that, from a timeline standpoint, Alan, where is the crucial turning point in this agenda where the future is concerned? We're in 2008. There's all of this... Mass hysteria about 2012 and the Armageddon and apocalyptic predictions of all of that. Is that the cutoff point? Is 2012 where all of this crisis will culminate to one large global catastrophe? Is, is that what the plan is?
1: Uh, the plan It's what they haven't said. They have and they haven't said. For instance, on my website you'll find the 90-page report given out by the top think tank for the Department of Defense for Britain. And that was first published in The Guardian. They published nine pages. I got the whole lot on my website. And this is the top think tank for the NATO countries as well, remember. And all they're projecting for the next 30 years, starting around this period, is escalating violence from within the public. Riots, uh, spontaneous riots, what they call flash mobs and so on and they're going to prepare for this now this is coming because they're preparing for this with all kinds of advanced weaponry it's all in the report and insofar so far as they'll go to drop neutron bombs small neutron bombs that they use in, in in close quarter battles in the field maybe cover a few miles uh That's how far they're ready to go to quell these riots. Now, what on earth would happen in the Western world to get Joe Sixpack off from his television seat and actually riot? What they're going to bring about is an escalating system of crisis after crisis, and your food is going to be hit, uh, your finances are going to be hit. It's, It's all the things that will make people actually get up and literally riot for their own survival. But like all mobs that don't know what's going on, they're simply a ragtag mob, which will be unorganized and easily dealt with. And that's why they've been building up for 20 years an internal police force, an army, internally, to deal with all of what they've project. What they haven't told you is a sequence of it, but we can pretty well get that from other reports that are out there, uh, the United Nations Department of Agriculture is releasing its report in conjunction with the Royal Institute for International Affairs on food and how food is going to become very, very scarce and in sh- short supply shortly. Things like that; these are the kind of things that make the average person riot when they think that their way of life is suddenly changing and they're physically threatened, or their families are threatened with starvation or no energy supplies. Uh, or even the the heat to keep you warm in the winter, necessities, that's what gets them to riot. This is the planned system that's coming about.
0: Well, so knowledge is power, and having said that, in order to wind up our hour, what do you suggest on the basis of that information, how best we could possibly prepare for what would ultimately seem an inevitable movement in that direction?
1: The only way, really, for those who do understand what is happening and to psychologically prepare, that's the first thing. Those who are still in TV land and the land of the 6 o'clock news, everything will always come as a complete surprise and a shock to them. For other ones who see what's coming, they should try and get out of the cities and try and at least have some ability to cope longer, if nothing else, than those in the cities. Cities will be the mercy of this entire system, and there will be riots in the city. Uh, that every city is wiped out in three days when the food doesn't come into it, and then well, riots start.
0: We know. saw that with that brownout that we had a few years back, and I think yes. that was also done deliberately as a test to see how people would react.
1: It was, it was, and uh, it was an interesting side effect of that, which I'm sure they, they also knew, and that was that people in a brownout situation were far more sociable towards each other they they were less tense and what they found was we're living in an electronic grid of 60 Hertz cycles yes and, and it does affect our moods our mentality it makes us nervous they had less troubles with the police or uh, domestic disputes and everything else
0: oh it was incredibly peaceful
1: yes yeah. so even even that and, and the 60 hertz cycle It's such a coincidence, it happens to be close to that frequency in the brain, which affects uh, emotion and so on, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and again, where the technology, the harp is utilized to keep people buzzing as well at a very harsh frequency.
1: Oh yeah, and um, you, you find as well with the harp, it's been used now since... 2001 on a daily 24-hour ba- basis, yeah. you can pick it up on the shortwave frequencies if you scan the shortwave, you hear it and it's it's pounding away in conjunction with the heavy spraying in the skies that we've had yeah. now for 10 They've years. They've
0: bumped up the dosages on both those fronts and I believe that bizarre storm that we had, the snowstorm that we had a few weeks back, I have never ever had lightning and thunder.
1: At the same time?
0: At the same time never witnessed that in 40 years and literally as I was walking the dogs I saw precisely that so there was no question in my mind that this was some kind of a man-made phenomenon there was nothing natural about it so there's evidence all around us
1: during the summer I stayed out at night and on a couple of nights I watched this rippling of lights like a strobe light going across the sky for about five hours no sound Hmm. and just rippling rippling strobes and all in the same direction I tuned in the shortwave and it coincided exactly with the shortwave frequency. You'd, you'd hear it going, woof, woo, woo. And so they're using this technology, and it's in the Treaty on Weather Warfare at the United Nations, signed in the 70s, that they could use this technology, HARP. Uh, they even mentioned, too, they can cup it with Teller's uh, technology for spraying. It makes it much, much, much more effective if they spray the atmosphere with metallic particles. And they could alter the moods and the the mindsets of the public either tranquilize them or make them rather hyper-nervous.
0: Yeah, and then riots are incited, and they don't have to call off the herd because the herd's killing each other, so it saves them a whole lot of trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I do advise people to try and get out of the cities
0: That is indeed our plan, much to my son's dismay, being a teenager. The whole notion of living in a rural environment is (laughs) anathema Mm -hmm. to him now, but I think he'll thank me for it later. But one last question before I let you go, Alan. Have you heard anything about a Canadian journalist based out of Japan named Benjamin Fulford?
1: I've heard of him, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Because he's saying that as far as the agenda is concerned, what the elite haven't bargained for is that the Asian community will indeed fight back and have overtly threatened them that if any attempt to call the herd where Asia itself is concerned, there will be retaliation and they know who to hit and how to hit them. Do you give any credence to that?
1: I'm, I'm wary because I know that the elite in Japan uh, are part of the global club as well. Uh, And so I don't know what factions would actually stand up to it within Japan.
0: Well, he claims that there were people who came to him because he was talking about these types of things. Having been a journalist and living in Japan for 20 years, he's obviously fluent in Japanese. And he was approached at his hotel by people saying, "Okay, now that you've turned around and announced all of these things, bear in mind that we are... Capable of retaliating and know that these secret societies exist that would have countermeasures in place to prevent anything. I think they weren't necessarily just referring to Japan. I think they were also incorporating China into that as far as these secret societies go. So I was just curious whether it's an entirely different culture and an entirely different mindset. So I don't see necessarily, although the efforts, uh, case in point, Beijing now is going to be hosting the 2008 Olympics. So that, to me, as soon as I found out they were given the Olympics, I knew that capitalism had penetrated uh, oh, for quite yeah. some time, but this yeah. is now a, an open invitation, so to speak. and Plus, the United Nations has said that that China is
1: the model state for the world. They think that because of the, of the type of socialistic indoctrination they've had, even though the, the the fascists run it at the top. Yeah. Um. The and, and plus their population control methods, they want to emulate that for the rest of the world. And how they all act. They always show you them acting in groups and the dancers and so on and all the acrobats and how they all work as teamwork. That's the whole message is teamwork, teamwork, teamwork.
0: Um, In the hive, Borg fashion, maybe. Exactly. (laughs) exactly.
1: But uh, China now is being sprayed as well. Because I've got teachers there who send me photographs. They're they're getting sprayed there as well. Some of them feel the effects of it. They feel drowsy, they're tired, uh, they're coughing, the same as we're getting in the West. I don't know about Japan yet, although I was asked to go over and, and speak at a university there this year, this coming year. And so I'll, once I'm there, I'll, I'll have more chance to, because I'm sure I'll be approached by some of these secret societies.
0: Yeah, I look forward to hearing a report once you, do you have any idea on the timeline, or are you at liberty to divulge that?
1: It might be within the next three or four months.
0: Okay. So what I'm going to do, as always, I'm going to put a permanent link to your website so that everybody can, who's listening to this program, and I've been getting amazing feedback from the times that you and I have spoken together in the past, and it's been on a global scale. So rest assured that your voice is being heard in all countries. There are no boundaries to that information, and anything that I can do to, to make sure that that many more people are hearing you, I most definitely will make that a campaign of mine. So my best wishes to you in the new year, Alan, and if there's anything I can do personally or anything that we at The God Box can do to make your efforts heard, you have my full and total cooperation.
1: I appreciate it. And remember, all is not lost as long as we can still think clearly. And really, that's a miracle itself that some of us still can that means that there are Achilles' heels, you might say in the elite's structural plan they haven't got us all, and that might be the the chance that we have
0: yes, perhaps their own paranoia because what they have. They know full well that they haven't earned perhaps that alone may be enough to to turn the tides. And I can assure you, Alan, that I am speaking to my son's closest friends and making certain that they're hearing this podcast as well. So it's reaching other generations without question.
1: Oh, yes, it is. I get a lot of mail from young people now.
0: At least they have someone that they feel that they can put their hopes and their trust in. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that.
1: Well, thanks for having me on.
0: As always, I hope to talk to you again in the near future. Yep. Thank you, Alan. You. And I just have to add, honored listeners, that I heard Alan pick up his guitar on Christmas Day during his podcast and play a classical piece, and I know in my heart of hearts that that is indeed what he should be doing when we're all in a place of peace and harmony.